Welcome to Kidney Transplant Conversations, our regular podcast exploring diverse experiences and quality care delivery of kidney transplant. I'm Rolf Taylor, your host and series producer. Many thanks to all the participants and advisors and our underwriter, Veloxis, who all help make this podcast possible. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast reflect those of the participants. So today, we feature a personal story from a transplant recipient, Benji Lafitte, who grew up in downtown Los Angeles and planned from a young age to study criminal justice and play basketball. He soon earned a strong reputation as a talented shooting guard and was approached by numerous colleges before attending schools in California and Iowa. At that time, Benji started experiencing some telltale signs of a kidney condition, and so began his 19-year journey of dialysis. Along the way, Benji would experience the disappointment of a transplant falling through, and he thought perhaps he was destined to stay on dialysis. But then Benji was mentored by another kidney transplant recipient, an old rival from his basketball days, who he says changed his life by persuading him to join the transplant program at UCLA, where he was treated by Dr. Jeffrey Veal. In this episode, Benji shares his kidney transplant story with us, discusses the importance of not giving up on yourself, and he talks about the loss of his good friend and mentor, Chris. So Benji, I've been, I've been really looking forward to, to hearing your story, and uh, you are a pretty recent kidney transplant recipient, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I got, I got a kidney transplant in, in June, on June 29th, and my sister's birthday is actually on the 30th, so she, she was pretty excited about that. You're a patient with Dr. Veal, who is yes. also on the podcast Mm-hmm. Dr. About- Veal is, is an amazing surgeon, you know. I, I mean, I can't say I can't say enough about Dr. Veal. Dr. Veal is a, is a special human being. So tell me why, um, what is it that makes makes you um, see Dr. Veal as being so particularly special? Um, because I, every doctor I've had, and I've had a lot of doctors, every doctor hasn't made me feel as comfortable as he did, you know. Like they'll talk to you about, you know, the diagnosis or, or you're going to have surgery or, you know, the whole time, every time I had a conversation with him, it was like, I knew him for years, you know, yeah. he had that vibe to him. It ain't too many like Dr. Bill. That's all I can really say about it. You know, he's a special guy. You know, it's funny when I, um, when I interviewed him for the podcast, he's so good at connecting with you. And then he yeah, just yeah, tunes yeah, yeah. into what's important. Yeah. Yeah. And Dr. Bill, that's my, that's my man right there, man. He's, Fantastic. He's good people. He's good people. Well, look, you know, I want to I want to ask you to share your kind of whole story um, with our audience, because you were a long time waiting for for a transplant or you were a long time on on dialysis. Um, And I really think it would be helpful and insightful if you can share a little bit about, you know, what happened on that journey, which was, I guess, it started, I think, you, you know, you told me over 20 years ago. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, where you grew up? Um, well, my name is uh, Benjamin. My, whole, my, whole, my full name is Benjamin Lafitte, but I go by Benji. My family know, knows me best by BJ, but um, I grew up in Los Angeles, California. I went to Washington High School. It was a pretty pretty rough neighborhood, you know, growing up. You know, there was, you know, there was gang activity. There was a lot of different things going on. Either you 
were, you know, in school trying to get to college or you were, you know, going with the wrong crew or you were going or playing sports. And I was I was trying to get to college and playing sports. So whereabouts in Los Angeles is that? Actually, I grew up off of 104th in Normandy. It's like right down the street from um, Washington High School. Washington uh-huh. High School is on 108th in Dinker. That's like another street over. And I used to walk to school every day, you know, through bad, bad neighborhoods. Let's just yeah. say that. Like, yeah, a lot of gang violence. So you had to watch yourself. But, you know, it was fun. So you had to keep you had to keep your head down a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, you definitely did. You and you know, were heading, I mean, and you were aiming to get to college. What what did you, what were you looking yeah. to study? Um, criminal justice. That's always been a passion of mine. You know? Fantastic. Yeah, I wanted to do yeah. something in the criminal criminal justice field. What happened with college? Well, growing growing up in LA, I was I was one of the you know highly ranked shooting guards in my class. You know, I was recruited by a lot of, a lot of colleges at that time, you know, and I, and I believe I was leaning, I was leaning close, um, more close to um, North Carolina State, but my SAT, I didn't get enough, a high enough score. So I went to a JC up north in Sacramento for, yeah, I think I was only there for like maybe a semester. And then the season was over. After the season was over, I left because I didn't really see, I mean, it was my team, but I got there late. You know, I got to that school late. I think I was probably a week or two weeks late for um, orientation. And they already had their team set when I got there. So I had to crack the starting lineup. You know, I was kind of like when I got there, I was like probably the 15th man, you know. But I mean, I know what I could do on the floor. So I ended up actually cracking the starting lineup and becoming the man on that team. So I was a go-to man. And I had came there, like I said, a week, almost a week and a half late. But it was a good experience for me. I uh, ended up in Iowa. In Iowa, okay. That was, that was my last my last college destination because after Sierra College in Rockland, California, I went to College of the Desert. Yeah. And I, ended up, I ended up breaking my ankle, so I took a medical medical red shirt. So I think that was two thousand two thousand one. I um I played, and that's when my kidneys started failing me at the College of the Desert. You know, I would wake up with my face swollen, my face would be swollen. I didn't know what was going on with me at the time. And then I would also urinate, you know, in, in the toilet and it would be bubbles. And I didn't understand why there was bubbles, you know, in the toilet. It was like I poured, you know, some dishwashing liquid in the toilet, as many bubbles as was in the toilet, you know. But it was me. I was peeing out protein. That was happening. I was peeing out the protein. I think they call it frothy, frothy urine, right? Yeah, yeah. How bad was that? Was that really noticeable to you? It's like, yeah. What were you thinking? It was like, honestly, at that time, from me breaking my ankle and redshirting, I think my playing weight was like, because I'm like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, my playing weight in high school was like 205. Mm-hmm. And I gained probably about 20 pounds. So I was like 225, 230. Wow. I mean, at that time, I, I, I started to go on a diet because I wanted to lose weight and get back to my playing weight. Yeah. So at that time, my face started to swell and my legs started to swell. And I had no clue what was going on. I thought it was the the diet that I was on, yeah, you know, so I I changed my diet and it and it continued and I went to go see a doctor, and all the doctor, the first doctor, all he did was give me water pills. He's like, oh, you're retaining water, but he didn't know exactly why, you know. So he gave me some 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 water pills that you know yeah. helped me urinate a little more, but yeah. come to find out, you know, my my kidneys were were failing me, but I had no clue at that time. How long did it take before you actually went to to see a kidney specialist? You know what? I was I was living that basketball dream. 
So I was kind of I was kind of being naive to what was going on with me. When I was at College of the Desert, the first the first five games I didn't play. They didn't let me play because I didn't want to find out what was going on with me physically. So, you know, imagine, you know, sitting out a whole year with a broke ankle and then you come back and then you got another setback with the swelling and, the, you know, the weight gain and everything. So I had no clue what was going on with me. So I had to set out the first five games, but my next game, the first game back, I, I played really well. I had like 18 and like five boards, you know, I hit a couple three-pointers. So I played real well. And I wasn't, I wasn't in shape at all, but I, you know, it was just the instinct for playing, you know. It's such a tough, tough road, isn't it? Being an athlete and then having something like that happen to you. I just can't imagine how hard and how disappointing that must have been. It, it was. It was because I went from being, like I said, ranked in the state of California, you know, competing with everybody in, in my class. And, you know, just, you know, just I was dunking on a lot of a lot of people that you see in the NBA now. You know what I'm saying? Well, they just retired. The, 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 the one, the biggest one that I say that I, um, that, I that I actually dunked on was Matt Barnes. We were playing his team in um, Fresno, you know, and I caught him on the break and put him on the poster. But um, everything happens for a reason, you know. I definitely believe that. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's a fork in the road. And uh, who knows what would have happened if um, if you'd gone down the other fork. So just nobody knows, right? Could have been better, could have been worse. Yeah, yeah. true. That, that, that is correct, sir. You got diagnosed as having chronic kidney disease. Mm-hmm. And um, what were your kind of options then um, health-wise or treatment-wise? Health-wise or treatment-wise, well, they automatically told me, because like I said, when I was in Iowa, I just totally ignored that it was something wrong with me. And I went to the University of Iowa. And when I got there, my, my, my body completely shut down. The reason that I knew something was seriously wrong with me is that we ran the, the mile and I came in dead last. Like, our seven footers came in before me. Yeah. I came in, I think like, I'm going to say about almost seven minutes. Everybody else was there waiting on me and they were clapping it up for me. And as soon as I got to the middle of the floor, my whole body just cramped up, like seized up. Like I was like in a big ball on the floor. So they called the ambulance to come get me and they ran tests on me at the hospital. And they told me that my kidneys were at 11% at this time. Wow. 11%. 11%. Yeah. And And you were how old at that point? I was 21, about to be 22. Wow. Right before, I remember vividly because right before that happened to me, my grandfather passed. So I had to fly back home to go to his funeral and then fly back to Iowa, you know, to be there for school and basketball. Had you had any other family members, any, you know, ancestors that had had similar, similar problems or was this just out of the blue? I mean, I don't believe it was out of the blue because actually I was on dialysis before my auntie. Uh, rest in peace to my auntie Shirley. Um, love you. Yeah, I was on dialysis before her. So I think I probably had her beat by, I want to say probably five years. So she was probably on like about a good 15 years. So my first five years, and she came in right after my first five years. So I had her by five years. And she and had I the had same her. same condition? Yeah, she was on dialysis for 15 years and we just buried her like last year. So oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, she was yes. a special woman. She was a very special woman. My favorite auntie, you know, rest in peace, Auntie Shirley. I love you. We just lose so many people to chronic kidney disease. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. That's why, like, every, every every day I wake up, you know, if I'm not saying it in my head, you know, I'm saying it out loud, thank you for, you know, waking up my, waking up my eyes, opening my eyes up, you know, because I could have been gone a long time ago. 
you know you must have been doing something right yeah to because you were you were on a dialysis what 20 years 19 years 20 years 20 20 i'm gonna say i'm gonna say like 19.5 it's about to be 20 so i just rounded off with the 0.5 so i say 20 years you know but it was like a good 19.5 five years mm-hmm. when you um, started with dialysis your, your kidneys were at you know i think you said like 10 or 11 percent yeah how did you how did you do that for 20 years how did you you know did you did you keep up an exercise regimen did you eat great food i mean how did you do that for 20 years you look great now yeah no i mean god i give it i give it to god you know i mean i was you know do taking on my meds and you know eating what i was supposed to eat i was on a, a low phosphorus diet so anything with a high phosphorus i couldn't eat potatoes uh, cheese, you know, tomatoes, peanuts, stuff like that, bananas, stuff that I really love, you know. So all I the good to, stuff. <laughs> yeah, I had to eat it. I had to eat it in moderation, you know. So it, it was what it was, but you know, I, I, th- I like to think I mastered, you know, my diet. You know, yeah. My levels, my levels, and my lab would be off sometimes, and then I would just adjust what I was eating, you know, by ear. And during all of that time, did you did you stay connected with athletics? Um, I, I actually did. I would still go to the gym and play, like. Because growing up in L.A., like, if you were in a hoop circle and you were, like, you know, I'm not going to say upper echelon, but, like, the top of um, that hoop class then, everybody knew each other pretty much. Yeah. We kind of ran in ran in circles. You know, we knew of each other or we played in camps together or we played, you know, against each other, like, our whole lives pretty much. I had so many friends just playing basketball that I played with AAU and I was, like, young, 12, 11. Like, a lot of them stayed, you know, stayed playing ball and I played against them in high school and stuff. And I'm still in contact with a lot of those guys now, believe it or not. You know, so it's a, like a life, no, lifelong network. Yeah. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a brotherhood almost like, you know, yeah, we all, we all, we all keep in contact, you know, we all keep in contact and that's, that's a good thing. But I'm curious as to why you didn't explore the option of, you know, getting a kidney transplant sooner, or maybe you did. Actually I did. I did with two with two different places, and it took them like nine months to even start the blood work. So I was kind of like, you know, frustrated with the situation. And the same thing with when I was supposed to get the transplant, I got I got um, flaked on twice by the the donor. So it kind of threw me into a spiral, and I was kind of like down for a few years, and I didn't want to do it no more. I didn't want to yeah. try to get a kidney. I was kind of you know deterred by getting the kidney. How long ago was that? Um, I'm gonna say probably about probably eight to nine years ago. And were you looking for a living donor or? I had, I had a, a friend, I had two friends. Actually, I went to college, you know, and they said they would give me a kidney, but they, it was other reasons why they couldn't give me a kidney. But I had no clue. But, you know, right. I spoke to one of their family members and they said they, that they weren't in, in, the, in, the, in the right mind state to even give me a kidney. And I totally understood, but, you know, that's what happened. But Huge commitment, know. isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. It is. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I'm getting I'm getting to know more and more about this whole um, this whole process, and it seems like in the last few years there have been there have been quite a lot of new laws and policy and and opportunities that make it easier for people to give um, to give a, a a living donation kidney than maybe five or you know five or ten years ago. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, some yeah. of those barriers that were affecting, you know, um, your possible donor back then have been removed now, and maybe hopefully it's easier financially or whatever. 
Yeah, no, first off, people are scared to give a piece of their body. They think they figure, oh, can I live with one kidney? You know, they, they're not informed that you can live with one kidney, you know, and then they're scared, like, will I die from the operation? It's a simple procedure, you know, but if you've never had surgery, I totally understand why you're thinking like, oh, I might die or can I live with one kidney? I totally understand that. But, you know, when you care about somebody, stuff like that don't matter. And then after that, after that time where it didn't work out, you kind of step back from that kind of engaging in that process. It sounds like it was like felt it was such a roller coaster and it's hard. It must be hard to ask. It must feel hard to ask people. Yeah, it it is, you know, it is, it definitely is. What's crazy is that um, none of my siblings was a match, none of them. That was the crazy part for me. So it was kind of like, wow, I I figured either my brother or one of my sisters or somebody would be a match, but I got a totally different blood type than all of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, what Dr. Veal is doing now is he's found a way around that with these swaps, with these. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. The UCLA, hey. I praise UCLA. It took them three. It took it took me three months to get a kidney transplant. Three wow. months, right? And I, I, when I got the call, I couldn't believe it. Fantastic. You know, I, was sitting, I was sitting down watching the um the NBA the NBA um playoffs last year. Actually, I was watching the Suns game. I forget what they were playing. When I got that call, I remember that call like it was yesterday. I couldn't believe it. It was kind of surreal. And they asked me, kids. They asked me, could I be there by? I want to. I think it's that they said seven. And it was like already like four or five, and I, I zoomed down there. I made it in time. So, so you had you had two hours to get down to the hospital. Yeah, and if you know LA traffic, like I know LA traffic, it was a mission getting there. I imagine, yeah, you 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 try and do half of the stuff in the car on the way. Right. <laughs> oh wow. So tell us a little bit about that, you know, because you mentioned that you'd had some advice from a friend who really encouraged you to to join the UCLA program. Yeah. Yeah, I got I got some advice from my, um, my friend, Chris Osborne. Um, rest in peace. You know what I'm saying? That's my brother. That dude, man. <laughs> that dude, I believe he was an angel. What did he say to you? He, I, I think I spoke to him. He was still on dialysis at that time, and I was still on dialysis at that time. And I'm probably say it was like at least five years ago. And I, I saw him on Facebook. That's how we uh, we linked up. I saw him on Facebook. He was actually on dialysis. I left him a message and I inboxed him. You know, that's how we exchanged numbers. You know, he went to Westchester. I went to Washington, and we were rivals. You know, what I'm saying in basketball. But um, he was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get a transplant soon." He told me. And I was like, really? And I told him how long I had been on dialysis. And he was like, wow, that's crazy. And he was like, bro, he's like, make sure you keep my contact. He said, once I get my, my transplant, I'm going to put you in line to get your transplant. And he stayed true to those words. You know, he didn't have to look me, look me up or, you know, call me and make sure that I was, you know, going to my doctor's appointments or speaking to this coordinator or none of that. But he did. He did all that like every day. I got a call from him daily. Wow. Um, so right. he he took it upon himself mm-hmm. to kind of coach you and mentor you or give you some accountability. Yeah. Went to the same place, same doctor, Dr. Veal. Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Veal and um, Chris were pretty good friends, you know, and Chris was telling me about Dr. Veal the whole time, you know. And then he, you know, plugged me with Marcy, you know, Marcy, the coordinator. He plugged me with her. And once he plugged me with both of them, I spoke to both of them and they just went 
it went fast. It went by fast, and yeah. I couldn't believe. It, you know, I couldn't believe it. Within, like I said, three months, I had that kidney. You know, and I've been dialysis free for five and a half months now. You know. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, Chris. Chris played a big part. A big part in me getting the kidney, and you know, me just looking at life different and wanting to live to you know be here. You know, I mean, the biggest reason was my kids. You know, my babies. But you know, Chris definitely. He definitely was there and helped me a lot. What did he what did he say to you that really put you back on that, you know, getting a transplant track? Um, I mean, he said numerous things, you know, just a lot of encouraging words. You know, I would speak, I would talk to Chris, like I said, at least once or twice a week. If I wouldn't talk to him, he would leave me a message and I would call him back accordingly. But you know, he always left voice messages. Like I have voice messages of him now on my phone still. You know, when I when I got the call to get the to get the transplant, he was more excited than I was. Like, I wish I could play. I wish I could play that voicemail for you. Like, he was so ecstatic. Like, you know, he was like, yeah. "Man, I feel like screaming. I'm so happy for you." Like, you know, he was uh, genuinely just a, a good person. He looked out for everybody. You know, and he has a, he has a brand called um, Life Altered. You know, that's that's his brand. And you know, man, he definitely altered my life for sure. You know what I'm saying? He touched a lot of other people like that too. He's a, just a, like I said, he was an angel. He was an angel, and you know, in my eyes, because he like right, like soon as I got my transplant, you know, he was gone because he passed away from COVID. Like I think I was in the hospital seven days. I'm gonna say seven days exactly. And out of out of those seven days, he was at my my uh, my bedside, you know, in my room five days out of those seven. So like when I say he was there, he was there, you know. But um, yeah, that was a special dude, you know. I think the last time I spoke to him was like on a Thursday. On a Thursday, he called and told me he had COVID. I think I was already home by that time. He called and told me he had COVID. We joked about it, you know. He was like, "Yeah, Benji, we strong. We gonna, we, we we strong. Me and you, we strong, you know." And I I told him, "Yeah, you gonna you gonna you gonna make it through that." And he didn't COVID, you know. He didn't have any other shots. He didn't get the booster shot or or the other other two. So, you know, for him to go out like that, and I remember distinctly telling him not to go. You know, he said, okay, I'm not gonna go. He's like, you right. So whatever happened from then, so when I said it to him, you know, to that time he went, I couldn't tell you. I think he was just trying to, you know, build his brand bigger. He wasn't really thinking with his health mind. You know, he was a very intelligent person, but he was a people person, first and foremost. You know, he was always the life of the party. You know, everybody loved him. You know what I'm saying? So. I'm so sorry that you, you know, you lost your, your close friend. Um, and what a blow that must have been to you just after your surgery. Right. It was. It him, was. What a loss that is. Right. It, it, it was, it was, it was a, a huge blow, you know, because we had planned to, to chill and party and, you know, just, just do, just do, you know, buddy things together, just chill out, maybe shoot some hoop, you know, yeah. but, um, both and both transplanted, so you're kind of you're kind of freed up. You're set free, right? From uh, yeah, pretty much. You know, you know. And he, like I said, he he looked out for me in that aspect. Like he was he was on it. Like he it's like he almost wanted the kidney more than I did. Like I wanted the kidney bad. So imagine how he was just he was just he was pushing me to get it. Like you know, he willed me to get it. I wanted to get it, but he he helped me so much. You know. 
you and he were rivals on the court, yeah. right? So yeah. he wanted to keep that rivalry going, right? As well as the friendship. Yeah. He was good people. He was just good people, you know. Yeah. Even though even though we went to rival schools, he, he was just good people. Just, you know, he was just, I wish, honestly, in high school, I would have, you know, hung out with him a little bit more. Like, he was just, you know, that good of a friend to me. Like, like I said, he didn't have to do what he did, you know. And I, I totally commend him for that. Like, did he have concerns about vaccination? Do you think? I think I think he wanted to get vaccinated, but I don't think he had enough information on that on that you know on that um, subject to get vaccinated. You know, because a lot of people didn't really even believe COVID was real for a long time. You know, they always heard, "Oh, COVID, 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 COVID." You know. And then they would see people say they have COVID and they would, they would get through it, you know. But what people don't understand, when you're on dialysis or you are you just got a kidney transplant or any kind of transplant, your immune system is already weaker, yeah. you know. So for him to be out without a mask and he didn't have any shots, like any COVID shots, it just, it, it, it attached to him easy, you know. His immune system was already down. Even at the stage when you're on dialysis, just mm-hmm. your immune system is still less it's suppressed compared to if you're not on dialysis um so you're already a, a little bit vulnerable to yes correct to, to an infection and then after you've had a transplant then you've got a different level of vul- vulnerability mm-hmm. because you're on the immunosuppressant correct. drugs so you've got two kind of you got you, both those stages are both risk you know higher risk I'm just, I am. I'm just so sorry you lost your good friend. And yeah, it was, I couldn't. I, I'm still, I'm still right now. Like I'm in, in disbelief. You know, really? Yeah. Because Chris, Chris, if anybody know Chris, Chris is like six eight, like at least two forty, two fifty. Yeah, he's a big dude. Like I'm, I'm like six, I'm like six two and a half, six three, six four on a good day, and he towered over me. Yeah. You know? And just the, just, sort the of, way, just the way COVID just went through his body, that's just baffling to me. Isn't know? it amazing, you know, because you can be a big guy and you can you can look almost invincible physically, but then this tiny little virus can just do so much damage. Man. Yeah, that, that virus, that virus ain't no joke, you know. It, it's hard getting over, you know, people you love when you when you lose people you love. Yeah, you're right about that. You definitely can't turn back the clock. If you were to share kind of some of the most important things that you've learned during these these years, you know, because ultimately you personally, you've had a great outcome and um, got with Dr. Veal, you got a great, um, you got a, you, you got a great success with your, with your um, transplant touch wood. And I'm sure you're doing everything you, you need to do. What are the, some of the most important things that you learned during that journey? I think the most important thing that I learned during this whole journey, these whole 20 years, is um, never give up on yourself, you know, because there was a lot of times where I just didn't want to do it no more, you know. I really didn't want to be here no more. Like, I didn't want to, I'm not going to say I wanted to commit suicide or kill myself or nothing like that, but I was just tired. I was tired of going through the pain, you know. I've been through over 50 surgeries. You know, I got scars everywhere. I've had, I beat cancer. I've had my kidneys removed. You know, I've had blood infections. Like I've had, like I said, surgeries up the yin yang. But when I got into that rut 
and I didn't want to do it no more. You know, I would miss Dallas's days and I would feel terrible, you know, but I think the biggest thing that changed my life was giving birth, you know, having, having my son Bryce. Yeah. That changed me, you know, really? having a kid changed me. Yeah. He's seven now. Oh, great age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's seven now. Yep. And I had him when I was 34. I like to think that's my, I like to think that's my favorite number, like my lucky number, because that was my basketball number also. So yeah. 34 was always a special number. And that was when I had my kid. Yeah. So special, special. And you yourself, um, it sounds like you didn't need much persuasion to get vaccination. Oh, no, no. I, um, I mean, because right before the, the transplant, you know, the, I went to see the doctors to get evaluated. And I spoke with the physicians. I was like, uh, do you think, you know, is it, a, is, is it a requirement for me to get the vaccines to get my um, transplant? And he said yes. And when he said yes, it was a no-brainer. Yeah. You know, so I got all three of them, plus the boosters, so all three of them, yeah. So with COVID, the challenge we have is how do we get that message over to people who are not in a situation where they're having a lot of discussions with a with a doctor or with the healthcare yeah. team? Yeah, some people just like I said, they think they think COVID is not real. Like even now, they the the mask protocol is back in in effect, and I still see people walking around with no mask. Like I, I just shake my head. Like I'm like I don't get it. You know, I really don't get it. But to each his own, I guess. So now you've had your transplant. You feeling good? Feeling great. You feeling like twenty years younger? Yeah, definitely. Mostly, <laughs> no more aching joints. You know. Yeah. No more dizziness. You know, I'm, I, I got an appetite. I think I already put on like 20 pounds. So, you know, went from the went from the slim face, you know, with no color to, you know, a yeah. round face with color. So it's just that blood circulation. Right. There, you know, for real. Yeah. God is good, man. Fantastic. Really appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really a I'm not really a stand up speaker. You know, I'm not that I don't like doing it like. When I was in college, I took classes for it, you know, just just in case I made it to the NBA and I had to do it, you know, yeah. interviews and stuff like that. But um, I'm definitely not a speaker. But you know, if if this will help, you know, somebody else in some way, you know, get through get through what they're going through, then so be it. Absolutely, so be it. Absolutely. Well, we, we're looking forward to sharing your story, mm-hmm. and um, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have Dr. Veal back on the podcast. And we'll probably talk a little bit about you. I hope you don't mind. That's uh, all good. And that's uh, good. Go for it. All right, Benji. Well, look, thanks so much for joining us on Kidney Transplant Conversations. It's been a real pleasure to hear your story. All right. Thanks for sharing your experiences with everyone. No problem. Anytime, anytime. All right. Take care now. All right. You too. This episode of Kidney Transplant Conversations is dedicated to the memory of Chris Osborne. We hope you're enjoying listening to the series. Please consider sharing the podcast with others and perhaps leaving us a positive review on whichever platform you listen. We'll be back soon with more kidney transplant conversations. Until then, be safe, be well, and take care. Kidney Transplant Conversations is underwritten by Veloxis Pharmaceuticals, Inc. All views and opinions expressed in the podcast reflect those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Veloxis Pharmaceuticals, Inc. Copyright Project Advocacy 2022.